The Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Jason Allen King. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast, everybody. We are back, coming at you again from the hub of the comedy world. Yeah, we're back in the... uh in the comedy zone, it's nice. That's right, and we have a very special. We got a room full of people. That's right. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know who I'm interviewing. <laughs> we got Joel Pace here with the Comedy Zone. Uh, Joel does a whole lot of different stuff, and he's given me the "Don't Talk About Me" signal, <laughs> which means Joel does not want to talk on air. Uh, but Joel's here, and then we have another guest here. Yep, she doesn't want to talk either. We, we uh, this is a lot of people <laughs> that do. I'm scared. Now. Only, Nobody wants to don't talk. Look at me. Nobody pointed me. I, I am scared now. <laughs> I am scared now. Uh, if anybody starts stirring tea around, I'm getting the fuck out. Of here. <laughs> I saw it get out. Everybody's too quiet. All right. We care, have a bro. special guest here today. Our special guest. I don't. How do we even describe this person here? I mean, guru uh, comes to mind. I think uh, the uh, all things comedy. All things comedy, mama, 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 comedy, mama comedy, bear, comedy, mama, comedy, mama bear. Uh, she was she's uh, Debbie Millwater. We're gonna we're gonna do that we all do night. That? Debbie yeah. Debbie there Millwater is. is here. For those of you not familiar with Debbie Millwater, uh, she man, um, she has helped a lot of people get better at this uh, pr- by providing them opportunities for stage time and helpful feedback. And, you know, everybody can't be on the weekend shows at the Mm -hmm. club. So Debbie runs a lot of different things during the week that allow comedians to get up there and maybe one day get to that stuff. But this is not about me. This is about Debbie. So I'm (laughs) going to stop talking, and I'm going to let Debbie say hi to the people. Hey, Debbie. Well, hi there, people. (laughs) Hey, get right up on that microphone. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, unlike everybody else here, I came here to talk. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks so much for having me. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, and so I'm really excited tonight. We're going to launch the March Mania Comedy Tournament. Yes, yes. March with Mania is the back. incomparable show host. It's Will Jacobs, everybody. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, I'm, see your back, heart, buddy. I'm back in the saddle again. This is my, uh, I love doing this show. I do this show every year. And this is the sixth year that you've come back to us. Shit, is it that many? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us again and again. Ooh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I just saw gray hair show up in his beard <laughs> as you said that. <laughs> like once fired out right. Oh, well, so it's been six years that I've been uh, I've been uh, hosting this show. Oh, and I I love it. The people love it. You're iconic. It wouldn't iconic. be the same without you. Oh yeah, my absolutely. god. You know, I haven't I'm heard that since college. I'm gonna raise my hand on this one. Start asking questions. Is that <laughs> iconic? Good. Jason is in charge of bubble bursting. So if you say <laughs> anything positive about me. <laughs> He's gonna do that with it, uh, but but no, uh, Debbie. Where where did we first meet? Where I, comedy class? Yeah, right? would have been with Joel in the comedy class. The man whose name shall not be spoken <laughs> has a comedy class, <laughs> and uh, we we met there, and it was laughs at first sight. I think 
oh, you went up on stage and did a solid 10, and we, the instructors threw our hands up in the air and said, we're done. We're done here. Will is ready to go. <laughs> well, that's very, yeah. That's very kind. That's very kind. <laughs> is that how that. you remember it? Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> how I remember it. Exactly Jason, is that not how you remember yeah, it? Yeah, that's how I remember it. Jason was not even around. Too. Is that not how wasn't you remember it? wasn't there. Yep. It was. That's how it seems to be everybody. Word for word. Special mystery guest. Was he? Did she, she gave a thumbs up. Yes, he did remember it. Okay. Now. I believe that, by the way. I do believe that you showed up prepared. You had the improv thing, uh, you know, the wind at your back. Yeah, I get it. And I can see you guys going, oh, this is the, this is the next guy. Yeah, uh, so I think you already had like a couple years of improv under your belt at that point, and the stage was not scary. Yeah, so come graduation night, and we told everyone, yeah, you know, do it a tight three, and Will's still on stage uh, (laughs) ten minutes in. We're like, I shot a a special. I was not supposed to do that. (laughs) That I believe too. (laughs) You ran your light on graduation night. I'll run it, please. (laughs) The third base coach was like, stop. <laughs> I kept going, and then and I should have stopped because what happened when you look back at the tape, I'm I'm having a nice set for at least the stage of my career I was at. Yeah, having a great <laughs> set, great set, great set, and then it just fell off a cliff the last three minutes, and that was after I blew the blew my sign. You blew your life, but I got yeah. to feeling good. I saw these people yeah. love me. <laughs> They're here for me. They, they are here for me. For I'm me. a star. Well, I, literally, they came off a bus and said, "Where's the Will Jacob show?" <laughs> but that was a crazy night because that was the night that I met my future in-laws. Wow. Yeah, I had started Whoa. dating my wife uh, not that long uh, before that class ended, and we were uh, meeting meeting the parents. Uh, my dad came down. He was here for CIAA. Wow. So him, my dad's brother was here. Wow. My uncles, a couple uncles were there. No pressure. No, no pressure, no at, pressure all. at all. <laughs> and then my girlfriend's parents are there seeing me for the first time. So all they've heard is their daughter's dating this lawyer that wants to be a comedian. Oh, God. So let's start there. <laughs> yeah. So if you think standing in front of uh, Last Comic Standard is rough. Yeah. <laughs> I was standing trying to convince people to give me a shot oh, with their daughter. That is crazy. Daughter why would set. you ever bring them there? I don't know why she did that. <laughs> that is crazy. She's like, now they can see you do it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you luckily, you're not especially dirty. It wasn't that. It was just no. lawyer, comedian. L- yeah, yeah, it was just try, and then you know what? But it was such a special night. I don't know if you remember that night, but it was. Oh yeah, absolutely. You were the last guy on stage because we knew, we knew, and uh, I mean, we didn't know ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you were five minutes approved. Yeah. Five minutes of greatness. I mean, yeah. I never had Joel turn to me before and said, "Debbie, you keep a hook in the back of the room, right?" <laughs> No, but it was a great night. There's no other night like graduation night because the crowd is so invested and they know exactly why they came out. And it's so electric to have 300 people. You know, really, that's kind of the feeling that a comedian gets. uh, And they're kind of chasing it the whole time. You heard like chasing the buzz when you're. High on mm-hmm. weed or alcohol. Yeah. Will knows. Yeah. Will knows. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Many of my clients. <laughs> so, so, so then, uh, just as a bit of background, uh, tell us about 
kind of how you got started in comedy because this was college for you, right? You started looking at performing around that time, right? So my story kind of originates not with me at all, but with my sister-in-law, Kim Harrison, who is a phenomenal oh, yeah. comedian. Mm-hmm. Johnny Millwater's sister. Yep. And yes. in fact, she's the one who introduced stand-up comedy to him. Uh, so back in Florida, I didn't know that. yeah, he, when he was 13, she snuck him into a club to watch him, and he was hooked at that point. Wow. So uh, fast forward to college, and we were at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Uh, Daniel, see, yeah. Daniel Tosh <laughs> was there. Um, and yeah, uh, Johnny actually had won a competition that was held at our school where he got to go and host. Uh, for the Comedy Zone that was on International Drive in Orlando. So that was kind of my first time, my very first comedy club that I got to see. Was was a, there was a, a comedy, comedy zone, zone around when you were it in college? Was, yeah, wow. yeah, mm-hmm. yep, in Orlando. So to um, have that be my first exposure, I think that's a large reason why the Comedy Zone has always been near and dear to my heart and just instantly hooked not from the joke telling side but from the production side like whoa this is a thing right do they know i'm not even 21 yet (laughs) (laughs) i am so glad you brought that up because that that's right you're uh, a lot of what you do is on the production side now what drew your initial interest to that part of it because most people fall in love with the performance oh yeah yeah absolutely i think it was the realization that I wasn't all that funny, and <laughs> I better have a backup plan if I wanted to surround myself with comedy. <laughs> with that logic, there would be a lot of producers around. <laughs> so. there, there should be a lot of producers <laughs> around. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so uh, the first two years that Johnny and I were married were really cool because we gave up our apartment in Orlando. We just lived out of the car, traveling in between all of Johnny's gigs. Now, now, this will be fun. I want to ask about yeah. that for a little bit <laughs> yeah. because Johnny has told that story on this podcast. Has he really? So we want to hear a brief version of it from you so we can cross-reference yeah. <laughs> and see <laughs> who's lying. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so how, what made y'all decide to do that? How, what was that experience like? Um, for our honeymoon, we left for like two weeks. We drove out to L.A. And I remember our big mission was to go see Patton Oswalt. And oh, wow. I, that That's was just such a fun experience and being able to, like, uh, two 24-year-old kids on a big, grand adventure. I, and then we got home, we're like, yeah, nothing else seems to really compare to that. Our life kind of sucks here in Orlando. So, hey, wh- why don't we just jump in the car and travel in between the gigs and... You know, that's what we did. Uh, slept on a lot of couches, slept in the car a whole bunch, uh-huh. discovered the national park system, and did a lot of camping along the way. What, what would you say that experience did for your sort of life perspective, or did it have that kind of effect on anything? Well, it really groomed me to become a comedian's wife, as a lot of times the girlfriend or wife of a comedian really has no perspective on how grueling uh, comedy can be, especially on the mind of their comedian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you have one off show, it can really affect um, whether you're depressed or not. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So so they're playing music. uh, I don't know if you can hear in the background. background. 
good music? Uh, that doesn't sound like <laughs> it. <laughs> Honestly, it does not sound like it. I think it's Bieber. So, you were saying that, uh, where'd you leave us off at? I got lost in the Bieber. Oh, I'm, yeah, so well, I'll just fast forward the story and uh, end up taking the comedy class here in 2005. It was taught by Tom Haynes and Julie Scoggins at the time. Wow. And uh, that was when the Comedy Zone was on College Street. And so the class is structured six weeks, and then on the seventh week, you go up and have this big graduation ceremony in front of hundreds of people. Um, and you Jay run your light and do 10 minutes. And <laughs> I, I did a super tight three. I was really proud of myself. Very set up punch. Only the goats, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Only the goats. Had you not done comedy anywhere in those travels up until that point? No. And I I think that was part of my attraction for taking the comedy class because really? across the country, a lot of places, it's just a two-man show. There's no MC. Mm. And let's agree, the show runs better if there is an MC instead of it just being a two-man show. Yeah. So... My thought process at the time was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the next time we take off and go live on the road, I'll be groomed to be the MC for these other shows. I didn't really have a, you know, grand plan of, you know, maybe I could be a famous paid comedian. It was never that. It was more like, oh, you know, the show would run smoother. Mm -hmm. So, um it's a good goal. That's a good, so honestly, selfless goal. Make the show a better show. Yeah. And so well, it I mean, sound, sounds I was, like a I was producer. there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a producer. Right, you were, you were, right, you were there. <laughs> right, you were going to be there, and you weren't going to be on stage every night. So right, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, on the flip side of that, so I lived as a road dog comedian would live for a couple of years, but I didn't have the release of telling the jokes and getting the laughs mm. at night. So, you know, that kind of... Um, you know, affected my psyche at the time. So I was glad when we rehoused ourselves here in Charlotte um, next to the headquarters for the largest chain of comedy clubs in the country, the Comedy Zone. And, um, you know, the story progressed from there. So the comedy class, that experience was um, every day after comedy class ended, I told myself, yeah, you know, this is the week I'm going to really buckle down and write and... I'm going to have such a prolific week. And then <laughs> Monday would roll around when class was, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I didn't write a single thing the whole week. I need to quit today. I, there's no way I'm going to class tonight. But for some reason, I did show up for all six weeks. We were able to string together you know, a three-minute set for me to tell. It uh, worked out really well. Um, the owner of the Comedy Zone happened to be there that night, and I'm pretty sure um, – he said, good job, not because he felt it in his heart, <laughs> but because he didn't want to crush my soul. Um, <laughs> the first. There's a first for everything. I was like, sorry. Um, but uh, Justin <laughs> Chambliss, Jay Bliss, was in my, uh, he was the GOAT of our comedy class back in 2005. What? Yep. Friend so. of the podcast, Jay wow. Bliss, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. I just uh, recorded his uh, album. Did you? Wow, weeks, so. that's, that's exciting. Right. Yeah, so it's been really exciting for me the last 14 years here to watch him develop uh, in his comedy and then have another three or four um, like really good friends because you're kind of going through boot camp together when you go through the class experience and I, you know, they don't tell yeah. jokes anymore, but we still get together and have a, a good time. Well, the funny, the funny part too is you fast forward and. Jay Bliss was 
the MC or not the MC, but the master of ceremonies, whatever you, oh, whatever do you call the person that comes out of graduation and does like the ten minute set at the end, and they introduce yeah. all the what is that the M? What'd you call I don't it? know. Oh, I, I call know. it the MC slash headliner. The MC slash headliner. Yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. I, so I, he, I don't mean to brag, but I invented that position. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> It's a comedy <laughs> staple now. It is. That's right. So he was there. He was there that night. And uh, you see how every story I bring it back to my own experience. Nice, I do. No. I do see that. <laughs> okay. Good interview. <laughs> it's the Oprah technique. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it worked for her. <laughs> so, um, so then, what has it been like for you to? Well, you know, we talked about you kind of being one of the mama bears of. Charlotte comedy. Uh, what has it been like for you to to watch and help so many comedians develop and grow? Oh, I I think that's what wakes me up in the morning and gets me excited to spend four to six hours every day, like every day, working on comedy. In fact, I think if you guys spent as much time writing jokes as I spend producing it you would be a hell of a lot funnier and i'm not saying Snap. will and <laughs> wow jason i'm just saying in general i, I think that was at will and brian i think who was that i'm not <laughs> no. sure if i was no not directed at anybody in this room <laughs> but um no i that was you really are that was passive aggressive, like a real mom. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, you are real literally comedy mom. No, I, I don't wake up mom. in the morning trying to antagonize people. It just happens anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of those experiences. So we had one comic. We won't name the comic. Let's play a little true or false. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, boy, everyone settle in. Okay. Um. <laughs> and if you could give an answer and a little bit of background. Uh, true you once told a comedian he should quit comedy. Oh. True or false? I, that is not only true, but I've told a uh, hundred comedians that <laughs> over the time uh, there's, can I, can there's I just, just one. Can and I just do this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, 99 of them thought that I was instantly joking, and then Joe DiOrio won't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> He will not. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> I didn't say the name because around when I came in, Joe was still out doing his thing, and all of a sudden, this story—you started hearing this story about Debbie telling him, "You really need no, 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 really. You really need a quick comment. You're done. You're said, done." So, what what makes you generally? What makes you tell someone, some bright-eyed, you know, aspiring comic that this is not for them? What what makes you tell somebody that? And you know, there might be a couple different motivating factors. Um, a lot of times I love for people to come back to me and said, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to step up my game and I'm going to make you eat your words, Debbie Mowater. I think that's fantastic. So I don't know that that was Joe's case because he really should quit comedy. <laughs> <laughs> How many times has a comedian made you eat your words? Leaning into it. That's great. Um, I'd say... Maybe five. Yeah, there's been five times where I'm like, wow, you know what? You did really stick with it. I'm glad that you did because now you've got a solid five-minute set that you should be proud of. Yeah. Um, no, a lot of times it's more of watching the audience repeatedly. Like, wow, I didn't know someone could pull the energy out of the room <laughs> like this <laughs> open mic. So people can. are going to do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
a good chance. It's a good chance. Well, so so then, because you've always tried to be uh, encouraging and help people develop. So for you, you know, a- after you know you're done, or you leave Charlotte behind, or you leave comedy behind, kind of what? I don't know about your legacy, but what do you want people to take away from from you and their experiences with you in comedy? I can't imagine that I'll be remembered at all, or I'll just be a footnote. And I feel like I'm highly replaceable. I will so yeah, no, I guess I don't have those expectations at all. Um, it's fun for me whenever someone like Ryan Davis can mm-hmm. come in and say, you know what, I got my, you know, the first time I went on stage was at the Comedy Zone Charlotte, and it was on one of Debbie's shows. Like, that is kind of fun for me, to, for him to spread that around. So so as a producer, you've done so many different show formats, just since I've known you. what are What's one of the biggest successes and one of the biggest flops in terms of shows that you've put together? I, well, I w- clearly the March Mania Comedy Tournament. That's a has, hit. Yeah, I got That's a hit. Nice. You know, again and again. Let her finish, bro. Let her finish. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, there's a few nights that are more electric than um, March Mania. So it's always a special time of year for me when that rolls around. Mm-hmm. Tonight's going to be hopping for sure. Tonight's the early rounds. It's like American mm-hmm. Idol when you get your William Hungs <laughs> and your pants <laughs> on the ground. You're going to see oh some of those. God, There's going to be a few pants, pants on the ground. Pants on the tonight. ground. Oh, man. There's going to be a you couple pants on the ground. <laughs> it is, it is, it, I, lo- I do it every year. I just, I think it's, the, it's so much fun. And it's, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge because, like, some people get up and not only are not funny, uh, they're offensive and not funny. Yeah. So now <laughs> you're dealing with a crowd that wasn't laughing for three minutes and they're traumatized. So you got to come out and pump life back into that crowd because everybody's, you know, wanting to win and paying money to be a part of this. So I think it's unfair to have somebody come up to a crowd that's shell-shocked and trying to perform for that. So it's my job to come in and clear and just break (laughs) wake the crowd up and get them back into room reset. Room resets is something that I really value, actually, with – whether it's a host on any show, like it's a it's a big deal. Even if you as a comic have to reset room resets, that's yeah. I didn't even know that that term. That's I, a good term I, for it. I think it's I don't it's know. Is it a term or is that yeah, mine? It, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I, 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 when uh, Debbie and I were working on on Funny on the Fly um, and developing on Funny on the Fly, we were like, well, who can we bring on to host? Because we don't know. Normally, if you've got you know a cast of ten comics, you kind of know who's going to be. Know and where to put them. I'm in the set, um, but heading into funny on the fly because it's all brand new material. We didn't know who was going to, and so we were like, "Well, who can we bring in to host that we know will be able to resurrect the crowd no matter what happens in the course?" And so Debbie said, "Well, Will Jacobs is the is the guy to bring in." That is very sweet, Brian. <laughs> it's yeah, and it's accurate. not a skill yeah. set that many people have developed. So when you can identify that in your host, that's someone that you want to stick with. So luckily, we I'm make a good team room. on these things. Oh I think yeah, we make yeah, a really, a really, because we were doing fight nights together even before <laughs> the March Manias. Mm-hmm. So this has been a partnership that's that's been really good, and I always look forward to it. I look forward to 
uh, my shows with Debbie once a year. It's like the one time a year I know we'll get to see each other, catch <laughs> up, uh, work together, and you know, put together some great stuff. So you know, that's that's always fun. So then, where in terms of where you are now, uh, what what do you have looking forward that you're excited about in terms of comedy? Are there are there new show ideas, or are you kind of content with where you are now or what you're doing now? I'm I'm a big dreamer, so I could foresee like taking Fight Night to thirteen different or twelve different cities mm. and fashioning that into um, a TV series. Like that would be a fun challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a beautiful year where I also got to produce shows in the Greensboro and Greenville. Um, South Carolina rooms, mm-hmm. and it was fun to have a three-day circuit going. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of discontinued that because I was in nursing school at the time, so it was a little hard to maintain, but just the benefit of being able to bring comedians um, from across the country to participate in that, that was fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I think I've already maxed out the number of shows I can bring into the Comedy Zone Charlotte a year. Uh, <laughs> it's about 100. Wow. So I wow. don't think they'll give me any additional dates because there's <laughs> no more to be had, <laughs> like literally. So I was going to ask you about the – so for people that are performing or looking to uh, compete in one of these uh, shows or competitions, what advice would you give <coughs> – comics that may be listening that are that are going into that process oh thank you thank you yeah no that's a great uh question i'd say just set your goal for that night and just try and achieve things for that one performance and put your all into it um and then really come out of it and kind of triage and figure out hey what worked and what do I need to improve upon next time? Because I, I speak to a lot of people who are in a manic phase. They'll reach out to me like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to take the stage. I'm like, good, good for you. We're going to get you up there. And then, you know, by the time their performance date arrives, they're no longer in the manic phase, and then they freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you want them to have a good experience and um yeah i'd I'd like for them to continually live in the manic phase that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) i wish they didn't crash but (laughs) (laughs) they all crash yeah don't we oh yeah we all crash (laughs) yeah yeah at some point i i would say like any successful person it's about our repetitive behavior like do I think producing open mic comedy is difficult? No, I think most people could put together an open mic super easy. Mm-hmm. Putting together 100 open mics a year and keeping 400 people organized, you know, that becomes more challenging just because it has to be the daily habit of pouring four to six hours of effort into it every day, every day. Um, so just you know know what your goal is for the evening and try not to get too discouraged if you fall short of that just know that it's more about setting up that next week a a performance or you know get back up on stage the same night or the next night and don't 
what do what do you think the recipe for success is? Well, I I think that uh, number one, don't fixate on winning the competition. Um, focus on hitting your marks, putting your best foot forward, and giving the folks in the audience and hopefully some decision makers in the back of the room an idea of who you are because they're not impressed by somebody winning. Like the manager of the comedy zone, the owner of the comedy zone are not sitting back there going, hold on, what? <laughs> hold on, he won the March, man? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't care about that. What they care about is watching you on so stage, good. presence, can I bring you in on a weekend and have paying customers be entertained by you? That's what they're looking for. I've never won a <laughs> March Mania competition. I've never won. Uh, and I'm doing all right, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not saying that that is, you know, I'm so whatever, but whatever I have, it wasn't because I won March Mania. It was because I always made it a point to put my best foot forward and try to put the best version of myself out there. If that wins me the money or somebody else won because they had more people or, or they were just better, whatever it is, like, I'm not performing for the check, the cash. I'm performing... Yeah, right. That's, that's four to, opportunities if you advance to be in front yeah. of the folks at the comedy. To be on that stage, yeah. which which is, I mean, Priceless. should be everyone's goal to get up there as often as possible. <laughs> You're providing that opportunity. And I, I'm with you, like, not necessarily looking for the win. And it sounded like you were leading towards being consistent. Consistently showing up, consistently improve, consistently, you know, taking your game to the next level each time you go up. And failing is is part of it and correcting yourself i mean that's that's what it is it's getting to uh, perform here yeah so before i went off on my tangent yeah i think the overall point is i have a lot of people reach out to me and they think they're going to be discovered yeah i'm going to come out there's going to be that one person in the back of the room that's going to make me a star i'm going to be a paid <laughs> a paid act tomorrow <laughs> and these guys sitting in front of me right now are like on the floor <laughs> doubled over can't believe I just said something like that because <laughs> nothing could be more distant from the truth. Well, discovered is my favorite word. <laughs> it's almost like in these guys and gals' heads, they're gonna perform, right? <laughs> and the audience is gonna be like, ah. <laughs> and then after they stop, you're just gonna hear half in the back like. <laughs> <laughs> just a contract in a you. I want you to headline this weekend. <laughs> It's not how it goes. You go, you do your best, and you keep getting up and doing your best. And people notice, and it's about networking with the other comics. <coughs> yeah. A lot of the work I've gotten as a comedian is from other comics. So you're networking, you're building, you're talking. You're, so I like to be around that at least once a year. Because now, to be honest, since I don't host the open mic, I used to host the open mic in Fort Mill for like two years. Oh, and you were much beloved. I used to love that. A and part of what I loved was seeing new comics watching them grow like the open mics especially when you're first getting started are high like making the sausage like you're watching these cats mm -hmm. develop and i used to get such a kick out of seeing somebody come the first time and then they come back a month or six months later or you look again you're like oh my gosh like it just feels good to watch that development happen and um that's why i continue to do it like the march mania competition i know or know of most of the comics in charlotte because I do those things. Because if it weren't for that, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know a lot of the newer cats coming in. I, I love it, and there's so many fresh faces yeah. each year in the tournament too. So, 
yeah, it's probably it's motivating, right? To see new people come in, new people doing, you know, doing new material stuff. You know, a new person you haven't seen before, you just see them do well, and you're like, that's awesome. I can't wait to see that guy go do yeah, or woman and go you hope be they good. Stick with it, yeah, and, man. Yeah, it's it's such a treat. Um, because I don't think it's necessarily a competition. Everyone's doing your own thing. We're all trying to succeed at this. I don't. You know, it's maybe that's sad. the proper perspective. Yeah, <laughs> but right, a yeah, lot yeah. of these cats after the show, it's like I heard my claps, my claps were louder than the other <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah. I've been robbed. I got robbed. <laughs> um, there was the night that you and I met. Actually, well, was um, when you brought me on stage. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, at March Mania. There were three of us, and I, th- I won the first round. And the third guy in the group, I can't remember who it was, but the third guy I mean, the group were on stage, and you announced, Brian Boyle is the winner. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, this is bullshit. On <laughs> 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 stage. <laughs> All the comics said that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, this is bullshit. That's some bullshit. <laughs> bullshit, man. <laughs> He's a white guy. He's off King of the Hill. <laughs> bullshit, man. He, w- he was not necessarily wrong. But, <laughs> but... Yeah, it we get so bad. <laughs> oh Lord, they get so bad. I had half of Petey's four ready to fight me one time. <laughs> that we, we we had a March made a few years ago, and my man got up and performed. It was Deacon Dean. Mm. Deacon Dean got up and performed, did a nice job, but just the claps, the votes didn't go his way. And whoever he had with him that year, they was so mad. <laughs> oh no, hell no! No! <laughs> so we'd be like, all right, just relax, move on to the next person. Man, some bullshit. Like they still going. <laughs> so at a point, you know, I try to ignore it, but it's like at a point, I'm like, look, y'all, whoever's in the back doing that, y'all's only job is to be quiet, yeah. laugh, and finish some damn chicken wings. <laughs> and I guess the chicken wings thing really set them off. I don't know if that oh, maybe, oh, they really? not want you to talk about their chicken wings. <laughs> so they said, "What? What?" And then they, some of them got up and went outside and did whatever. And I'm and we just kept the show rolling. <laughs> so after the show was over, uh, I was hanging out talking to some of the comics and stuff. And then uh, I probably got outside maybe forty five minutes after the show, sitting there talking to people, and I saw somebody. And he said, man, they was waiting for you. Oh, no. I said, what? <laughs> he, said, yeah, he, was going. <laughs> he said, they was waiting to fight you after the show. I was like, well, what? They got tired of waiting. He said, yeah. They <laughs> I <laughs> waited about 20 self. minutes and left. Wow, I should have hired some extra security for tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> I never worry about getting jumped. But if I that's my thing. If I ever get jumped or when I've gotten jumped, you better send the first person, whoever you don't like, send them, because I'm going <laughs> to fuck them up, okay? That first one, you're going to see what I do to him. The Ooh, rest of you might Will leave. Will flexing. I oh, love oh, this. Oh, I'm just saying. I love it. Oh, you know. I do. It's tough on us comics now. You got to be ready. That's right, man. Are you ready, Jason? If somebody right. come- Hey, listen. Underestimate me. By all means. <laughs> y'all do, y'all do it. to the ground. You do it every time. You'll wake up somewhere else. I'm an ankle-biting son of a bitch. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> Jason, get you in that chokehold. It's lights out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Debbie's playing on her phone. Yeah, she's oh, a yeah, our no, special I'm guest sorry. is playing words with friends. But to be fair, the the door's just open for her show. Oh, the door's open for the show. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I should be doing something with that because I'm hosting <laughs> it. So uh, Debbie, uh, don't we can't let this be the last time this happens. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we need yeah. to play a lot more true and false. So. Yes, we because ha- I have <laughs> many more. Oh, I have. Oh, yes. Good ones and bad ones and in between. So we got so much more to cover. But thank you for coming in and stopping Thanks, in. Debbie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. And is anywhere people to follow you, check out your stuff, anything you want to promote? I'd, so because there's so many different show formats, I just 
have chosen to operate under the banner crowdplay.events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Facebook um, or the actual website, crowdplay.events. No dot com or anything like that. It's dot events. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Debbie Millwater. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you, Debbie. On us. And we are what? Be we'll right back we'll out of we'll here? Be right back. We'll put a lid on this one. when We, we will about to put a lid on it. See you in a minute. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. Welcome back, y'all. That was a very fun interview. That was cool. Yes. I would consider that the definitive Debbie Millwater <laughs> interview. That's <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> she is a comedy mama, though. She's got her, she has her f- thumbprint is on every comic around yeah. here right now. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. It, and it's funny, too, because depending on who you talk to, if somebody's bitter or not, <laughs> she either sounds like Mother Teresa or Vince McMahon. <laughs> it depends, it depends <laughs> on who, who you talk to. That tells me she's doing something right. That's <laughs> Yeah, because if everybody loved her, be like, uh, uh-uh, what's going I don't on? Trust that. That, that doesn't mean that doesn't make sense. So I, I, I didn't get to ask during that segment, but how did you and Debbie meet? We met at the she, her and Johnny and Joel taught the class. Okay, so you was were in class. Too. Yeah, so that that was our. I'm pretty sure that was our first meeting. Was uh, there? So your yeah. graduation, what? Where did you perform at in the pecking? Or I was not la- the pecking, but the I was last. Were you the closer? Yeah, I was the closer. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what I didn't do, though? <laughs> I was waiting for him to go he wasn't so I could say I was, but then he said he was. I didn't run the light. So then I couldn't say yeah, anything I didn't else. run the light. Did you, you weren't last? You had to be. You were last. Oh, yeah. I was after yeah. Jay Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's great. <laughs> then Jay Bliss that closed the show. Well, so who was the person well, closing your but show? But th- actually, I think you might have been the host of my show, my thing right oh shit that's pretty awkward to ask about <laughs> who closed it and it was you well no you didn't close though no actually okay. who uh and i'm embarrassed to say this because i know he's very very highly re- regarded here was the the he's a comic very respected he passed away oh you talk either d cameron yeah d cameron d, that's who yeah. it was yep. yeah d. D, d closed the show oh yeah he's fantastic that dude man he gave yeah. me uh one of the best pieces of advice early on because you know this. When you get first getting started, a lot of times, some of these cats don't have time for you. Yeah, right. So you ask questions, and they just rush you along or something. But with D. Cameron, man, I had just started kind of doing open mics. I knew I wanted to do it, and I was asking him. I'm like, look, man, I'm really hungry for this. Is there any advice you have for me? 
And he said, he looks at my outfit, and I think I had some shit like this on. <laughs> I had like khakis and a Huxtable <laughs> sweater vest and whatever else. And uh, he was like, don't change that. Really? He was like, be that. Be who you are. Be oh, who that's you awesome. are. Don't feel any pressure to change that. And he said, look at me. I got no khakis and whatever else. He yeah. said, this is me. He said, you do that, you'll be fine. That's fantastic. And I've done it ever yeah. since. Because that transcends just like what you're wearing. I mean, that's just who you are on stage. And uh, I'm assuming. Yeah. That's sort of what he meant. That's pretty great. Yeah, man. He's, he's, he's a great dude. For sure. Uh, so let's pivot real quick. We got to talk about the NFL. And it, this started on Twitter because Antonio Brown has started kind of releasing videos and giving his perspective on the events that we've seen play out over Sports Center and everything else with the Steelers. For those that don't watch football, real quick, Antonio Brown, top three receiver in the league pretty easily. Uh, one of the greats of all time. Uh, just fe- He's very disgruntled. And he does not like Ben Roethlisberger much. Yeah. The feeling seems to be mutual. He had a meeting with the owner of the Steelers. That didn't... Didn't play in the last game of the year. Didn't play in the last game of the year, and they shut it down. And now he's just kind of given his side of events. And Jason is yeah. the, the resident Steelers yeah. fan. I got to hear your thoughts. I, it's, it's Honestly, it's where to begin. I mean, now, I, I want to preface this by saying I, I was born in Pittsburgh, I don't want to hear anybody out there saying... Don't be trying that bullshit. Don't, yeah, don't, I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. Um, He's not really from Pittsburgh. <laughs> he is absolutely from Pittsburgh. <laughs> I am. I, I am so frustrated because he was one of my favorite players kind of ever. He was like that guy. I'm a Heinz Ward guy. And I was like, oh, mm. that's... And the thing is, that's who he was early on in his career. Not that long ago. I have a couple theories on what's going on. We'll get to that in a second. But he went from being that guy, the... Charlie Hustle, team player. He was like coaching other players on how to be on social media. I mean, that's who this guy has always been. And then now he's like this this sort of social media monster who, who it's all about his salary. What is he worth? And I wasn't treated right by Ben Roethlisberger. Ben's got too much power. He's like an owner. He talks like he's an owner. These are some of the things that have that have sort of come out that have frustrated a B based on things that he said. Like he doesn't like the relationship with Ben. Ben is uh, uh, unfair in his sort of uh, you know uh, his all encompassing power, and uh, that's what he's saying. Now he's suggested he wants to leave the team. Um, he got there was a, some sort of a fight or, or a disagreement, argument, not a physical altercation, and he uh, didn't show up to some practices. And Tomlin said, "You're not playing in the games because you don't show up." Mm. So he he was on the field, I think, the first half, and then left after halftime of the last game of the year. Wow! And uh, and then all this business started almost immediately after that. Do you give any blame to Mike Tomlin? Have to. He's the coach. Have to get. I mean, do I think he's the cause of Antonio Brown acting the way he's acting? No. Has have they has has Tomlin created an environment where some of these people have? gotten away with i think some attitudes and 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 he's facetiming during the coaches like yeah I mean, in the locker room facetiming while the coach is addressing the team yeah tomlin was supposed to be yeah. a, was supposed to be this player's coach well mm-hmm. that apparently is backfired on him in a big way right yeah that yeah, don't work for every player yeah bell brown i mean uh uh, uh who's the, uh, the outside linebacker who harrison left? harrison yeah 
Well, let me get your thoughts on this clip. I pulled up a clip. Uh, <laughs> I want I, I just. I'm gonna just present it without comment. I hope this is the right one. Let's see. Oh no, that's not that. Of course, is not what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep talking. Um, well, so we've gone from from all this in the off season of him. You know, Tom they, Tomlin had to talk about it at the end of the year. While he's there, Har- uh, uh, Harrison and and uh, AB are basically mocking him on, on Twitter while it's happening, which is, I mean, so incredibly disrespectful. And and you're talking about the Steelers being arguably the top handful of teams of the of the the you know, the legacy ownership, the mm-hmm. fan bases of the For best. sure. And to, to They're go. They're one of the gold standards. Yeah, and you're going to go and, fly, and and mock that fan base and their coach. And I, I'm, I, this is all so disastrous for him. And he's 31. Is he 31? He's 31 years old. And he's basically went and said, I don't, I don't need to play anymore. I don't need football. I got enough money. Yeah. And I'm. Now here, now I think I had a clip to yeah. what you just uh-huh. said. To be cool, you know what I mean? I thought we was cool, but when I think, I only, well, I've been in his house one time, he's been in my house one time, you know what I mean? We don't work out in the off season. It's like, yo, if we really want to win, you think that's winning? That's not That's not it either. Um, he's talking about Ben, ben Roethlisberger and his, his fractured relate. Do you think Ben Roethlisberger should accept some responsibility for this? I would say that we don't know everything that's happening, but yes, I mean, there's got to be something in there. If he's got this, you know, I'm sorry, he's a, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback who's taken him to the Super Bowl twice. Well, this is what Larry Fitzgerald said. That's what, like, I'm sorry, Antonio Brown doesn't have a touchdown that wasn't thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. Well, he's probably got something from the backups when Ben's been out. <laughs> I would imagine that. I, I play a lot of fantasy football, Jason. I feel like he's caught. I read. I read that stat today. Did you read that? Yeah, I read that today. Now again, it also was on Twitter. I don't. I think it might have been. I thought it was a reputable source, so I brought it here. But it said he hadn't caught a touchdown pass that wasn't from Ben Roethlisberger. So that's a pretty significant thing to call that guy out and say, "Well, I want to get off this team and I want to go play for <laughs> one of the other teams that he's looking at." He didn't have a shit. Quarterback. <laughs> I found the clip. Okay. <laughs> this is for real. This Everyone time. buckle up. It's not another false alarm, y'all. There's going to be general managers that want to know that that's not going to happen. Bro, it could, bro, listen, I don't even have to play football if I don't want, bro. I don't even need the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to prove nothing to anyone. If I if they want to play, they're going to play by my rules. If not, I don't need to play. You want the game now? No, I don't. I, I, I mean, okay? I, I obviously, I want the game, but I don't need the game. It's a different. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to play for no one. Like, I'm happy. You see that? It's paid off cash. I don't owe no one. Mm-hmm. I'm a millionaire, bro. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I don't have to prove no one anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I never quit and miss a game ever. I check my record. They right. know my background. But that's what the NFL is. is organization. Organizations can quit. So, that was kind of his, his take. Uh it's weird for me as an you know as a non-Steelers fan, just kind of an NFL fan. Um, I it's it's sort of mixed mixed emotions for me um, because on the one hand, I do feel like he uh, he did his teammates wrong. I, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think if you're gonna. Because what did he tell him he was going to come back and he didn't, or he what did he do? Well, that was Bell. That was Bell. Well, that's all. Yeah. But no. so, but Antonio Brown, his teammates felt betrayed. Is that true or not? I, I would think so, especially if you okay. don't come, you don't come to the last game. I'm pretty sure that there was definitely some, 
I think they were a little more tight-lipped. They were more vocal about Bell because of the length of time, and, yeah. and that was a, a longer so, deal. So I didn't like that. I didn't like how just because um, my man on um, ESPN, Clark, Ryan Clark, <coughs> he criticized Bell. He said, I don't like the way he handled it. He's not a team guy. He's never been a team guy. Uh, you know, he puts out a certain image for public consumption, but behind closed doors and in the locker room, he's not that guy. Mm -hmm. And he's not a pleasant, fun-loving, smiley guy. He's a self-interested, self-absorbed, you know, narcissist. And that's how he put it. So Antonio Brown immediately j jumps on social media or whatever. Says, your Uncle Tom, your yeah. Uncle Tom. <laughs> you talking that coon Uncle Tom shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that escalated I, quickly. I, I, I threw Coon in there because I thought it made that funnier, but he really mm. just said, he just kept saying Uncle Tom, though. And I'm like, just because he doesn't agree with the way you handled it? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think every criticism of you makes someone, like, pro the white establishment or pro ownership. or pro, Like, it's just like he he doesn't like the way you're moving. And so, so those were the things I didn't like about it. I don't think that he's handled – aspects of this well mm -hmm. but that soundbite we just heard where antonio brown says listen i got all the money i need i've saved my money i don't need football i'll be fine no matter how it happens and teams are going to play by my rules or uh too bad so there's a guy saying i am perfectly willing to not play anymore it's not a guy saying you have to hire me and i'm gonna do this shit he's saying if you he's doing teams a favor if you bring me aboard, I play by my own rules. Some guys do that and don't tell you. And they sign for $100 million. Albert Hainsworth signed for $100 million with the Redskins. He played by his own rules, too. He <laughs> ate what the fuck he wanted. He didn't work out. He didn't give it. So there's plenty of guys taking money that don't tell you that. So if you're a team now and you sign Antonio Brown, he's telling you what you're getting. Oh, so a, a, so a, a, you're getting a liability. Well, a liability that catches for 1,500 yards and tits. Give me – look. Yeah, throwing thro – getting passes from Ben Roethlisberger on, an, on one of the best offenses uh, in the league. I, and if I got Andrew Luck, I'm not interested in some of that? No. I'm, I, first of all, they're not interested based on everything that I've read. The teams that are aren't good teams. In fairness, the Colts don't spend on that position. But I do accept your point that – yeah, he, he's a, first of all, he's got a ticket price that only if, even if he were no problem at all, there'd be teams that couldn't afford him. So he, so there was a market. He's going to go somewhere and he's going to do fine. He's not going to do as well as he's doing here he, it, when, no. at the Steelers. He's just not. That's he's going to he's going to go to a team that needs a big name receiver. And those tend to yeah. be bad teams. That's right. That's exactly same thing right. with Le'Veon. Right Bell. now they're looking at Raiders, Raiders, Cardinals and Broncos. The, mo the, the most interesting one are the Broncos. The most interesting team would be the Broncos. They do have Flacco now. They're still working with a quarterback thing. I don't know why. They got uh, – any I can't remember the young guy's name. Came over from the Vikings, uh, Case Keenum. Mm. I, they seem like they're okay, and that makes sense to me. Yeah. The Raiders in Arizona, I mean, he's just he's going to go and disappear in mediocrity. Arizona? The him and Fitzgerald or something? Okay. I don't know. Well, yeah. it, it, Straight swap between Fitzgerald and him. There's conversations. Fitzgerald's only got one more year, though. Who's that? Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald only Fitz, has one yeah, more year. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I, I think, well, Ben Roethlisberger to me is an issue, and I know that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I know all these things, but when Emmanuel Sanders left Pittsburgh, he said that, look, Ben's not the throw with you after practice guy. He's not. He's there's yeah. things he's not, and also with Ben, I mean, well, we all we all know the stuff off the field, but that's not part of this discussion. With Ben, 
It's there was so, some kind it, of quote about the other 52 guys are like his kids. It kind of should be, though. If we're talking about A.B. off the field, I'm with you with when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger. I, I would have been kind of okay if they've been making arrangements to get somebody else in there the last year or two. I, I've been fine with it. And he's had wow. some and he's had some of his best. Now, you just yeah. told me about how he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Are you abs- ready to get rid of him? He's absolutely a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I do think that you're, we're seeing this stuff. He has been he's had issues almost every year, especially on the road. Yeah, it, yeah, right. <laughs> they they uh, so I, I'm not just gonna hammer AB saying he's a terrible guy. I don't think he's necessarily wrong that Ben maybe he does have a little too much power. Maybe there is some some power structure that needs to be adjusted on the team. Uh, it's hard to say that when Ben's as good as he is. But I am I have kind of looking at the future of the team too and going, if A B and uh Bell are gone, <laughs> you know, maybe they do need to make some some big moves. Well Juju and Connor are pretty have, were pretty good in their stead. I I agree. But I that so offensive line's still there, and that's the whole thing in my opinion. But so then but it's weird to me because if A B's saying that, listen, I play by my own rules, um, and I got enough money to be fine. I don't need you. I think that there's a part of the NFL fan base that wants these players to need them. And they want them to need football. They don't like when players come up and say, I don't need none of this shit. They don't like it. They don't want it. You can pay millions of dollars to need this shit. They don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, so for me, like I said, it's mixed. I agree with a lot of Antonio Brown's sentiments. I don't necessarily agree with how he's handled it. But but to feel like – like the owner said something like, I feel like it's Ben and 52 children. Oh, that's right. These are grown motherfucking men. What are you, what are yeah. you doing, though? Yeah. What are you doing? Because I'm a grown-ass man. I got kids. I, someone saying that the, you know, pouncy – the, who's the you know these linemen right. and filling the wave? Who's been to war and back? Right. And now I don't. I don't went out there and busted my spleen open yeah. for your organization to win. You gonna call me a child? You call me his kids? Like uh, it was it's like a bad analogy for sure. So that's so so when ownership feels that way and vocalizes it that way and Ben acts that way. Yeah. Ben just calls guys out like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't want you supposed to do. Where I where I grew up. You do that in behind yeah, that's doors, right? right? Yeah. In house, right? I totally so agree. So there's, there's ways Ben has handled this that I don't agree with. I'm with you. I, so, but but I, uh, Antonio Brown, I have to at the end of it all, I have to give him credit for being upfront about how he feels. He has every right to feel like he doesn't need football, to feel like he's got enough money, to feel like he plays by his own rules, and every owner has the right to say, "I don't want that guy." Yeah. Everybody's operating within their rights, and Con- that's, yeah. I don't have an issue. Consequences. Were I a Steelers fan, I'd be furious. <laughs> <laughs> this is very Two easy things. to do also, because if he were a Philadelphia Eagle, I do not know I would sound exactly oh, the we're same. we're done. I, I say we, and I, th- I think I, sp- I feel comfortable being all the stuff that I've read, because we talked a little bit about this. They're all done. Everybody's done with him. Get him going. Don't care. Get him going. Get him going. Wait, he's a liability. He is an absolute liable. He's a great player, and he's going to go on a mediocre team, and we're going to hear about a couple plays of years from him. And they're going to play mediocrely because receivers don't matter as much to winning as that's right. Now, uh, I think the theory. I wanted to get to your theory. I think he has uh, advanced CTE. I think he has serious. uh, uh, He is not the same guy from a couple years ago, and I think it's the perfect hit. Getting into the the playoffs. He's saying that because he dyed his mustache. 
I was gonna get to that too. There's no I way anyone you. dyes that mustache on purpose without that a brain is injury. Classic brain. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> you change the mustache. You <laughs> it's crazy. I actually. So that's the other thing I started looking for. There's a ton of people who are saying this, like imploring the NFL to <laughs> to to find out what's going on with them, physically, Study mentally. Brain. Yeah, isn't that crazy? He can't just feel different. Right. No. <laughs> Absolutely so the personality not. Personality change. Personality is oh, huge the, yeah, change yeah, from as a fan. Know. What I've seen, he's a different guy. Different he's a person. different guy. Yeah, what? very much so. <laughs> I'm gonna. He gets weirder and weirder. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Wait. I guess that's what a hundred million dollars does to you. I maybe. Uh, you saying it gives you CTE? <laughs> I think it makes you act like a weirdo and dyes your. Is that what happens in your? <laughs> yes. Uh, what does a billion do then? <laughs> It makes you want to build a wall. I do find it. I find it a little funny that you're supporting. He's really off the wall. Who I'm supporting? No, that you kind of are. You get some of his points and stuff. Oh, Antonio Brown. Yeah, I'm very pro player. Uh, I think that a lot of times. Well, what's we, your bell take then? I keep cutting you off. But oh what? no, please, please. Um, my bell take is is uh, Le'Veon, the team issue. He kept telling him he was coming back, and I like yeah. when you're telling your teammates you're going to come back. Like, I just think it's kind of foul to, you know, to play. Like, he didn't have to say anything. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of think that was whack. We talked about it a little bit before, but, you know, if Le'Veon Bell says I don't want to play and he's willing to, I'm, I'm – okay, let me just say this generally. <laughs> I am pro – this is my stance, and I'm willing to accept what the consequences yeah. are. If you're like that, cool. I have issues when you're somebody that does something and then goes, I shouldn't have to – Deal with like I'm Antonio Brown. I play for myself, and I'm a file a grievance if y'all don't sign me. No, maybe owner doesn't want to do that. Just wants to play for himself. Right. So I'm just I'm cool with everybody. So with Le'Veon Bell, it's not like he was demanding they pay him. He was willing to sit out and not get paid. That's his right. If ownership decides that they don't think you're good anymore, they'll cut your ass tomorrow. So if they can cut your ass tomorrow, mm. I can decide not to play tomorrow. Sure. You know what I mean? A deal or a contract doesn't mean shit to these teams, so why should it mean so much to the players? And now, do you think that was a good move of him? For Le'Veon? Yeah. Man, I uh, like, I, I get what you're financially? saying. Financially? You want to you back up, like, his stance. Like, I, And I, I get that, too. Now, now, as a fan watching it, you go, oof, that was dumb. You know, this is that's one of the toughest questions for me because I feel like we need to see how it plays out. Because if he comes out next year – and he's terrible or the team's terrible or he gets hurt or whatever else and he could have used that 12 13 million then it looks like a horrible move yeah but if he goes there and he gets some mega contract some girly-esque big old contract then up good for you you spent a year not banging your body up yeah right. and got a boatload of money i well, mean it's a great play what so, happened with, with so girly got hurt yeah, and then Girl's they got brought arthritis. In, and then <laughs> is that really? That's that true. Yeah, that that makes they sense. They're they managing his knees. And then who came in? CJ. CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson came in, mm -hmm. and did pretty well. And James Conner came in behind Bell yeah. and did the exact yeah. same. So thing. it does, to some degree, suggest that maybe he shouldn't be asking for that big contract because you're just plugging other people in who are doing the same shit. D'Angelo Hall was pretty. Uh, what was D'Angelo Williams was pretty good when he got the start too. Yep. They have a system and a really good line. Yeah. And if you got that, you can make players look maybe. Look great. So that's why I'm saying I don't even know who this guy is away from the Steelers to say he made a dumber. I got to reserve judgment until I see how this thing plays. I'm also, out. not going to say that that hasn't happened with AB. 
That guy, none of his on paper should he ever be as good as he is. He's only played for Pittsburgh in their offense with that team, with that quarterback, with that line. Um, brother, I've seen AB make too many damn spectacular he's fa- catches. He, he's fucking to fantastic. Think that this <laughs> <laughs> the, the is different. I'm just Le'Veon's pitching. You don't have to swing. It, but, but, but I'm just saying because when Le'Veon <laughs> is different, because he is dependent on that offensive line. Yeah. The only thing Antonio's dependent on the offensive line for is time. So he doesn't need them to open holes for him. Antonio Brown's just juking the shit out of cornerbacks. He's a spectacular player. Double team. He doesn't matter. I would say he benefits somewhat from the quality of the team that he's on. But, sure, sure. But, yeah, but he's, a, he's catches, a specimin. He doesn't he's drop fantastic. anything. I mean, so so maybe it gives him a slight nudge up, yeah. but he was going to be great. Yeah. And and then it just, like, Larry Fitzgerald comes out and says, listen, you know, A.B. I mean, A.B. saying what he's saying, he should try playing with the quarterbacks I've played with if he doesn't feel like – and, and I'm and like, the teams. Yo, I can't say anything. I know. Now, what can you – Larry Fitzgerald, he's had some awful, awful, awful quarterbacks. He's <laughs> like uh, Hopkins. Yeah. And uh, finally Deshaun Watson came and they had better quarterback play. But before that, he was putting up numbers with like Tom Savage and shit. <laughs> like it's just like, what? How are you catching? <laughs> it's just these guys are so great now. But well, um, Tom, Bra- Tom Brady makes career, career, receivers careers by coming and playing for him. It, it – it is the, the New England. I was talking to a Patriots fan today, and um, what can you, I just he, that, that guy's gonna play till he's forty five, <laughs> and he's gonna win another two Super Bowls. Uh, he's like it's just he's just like eating babies in his basement, is. just like uh, I'm gonna live forever. And, the, and, and here's the thing: even if you come <laughs> into a game, even if you come into a game, he did some kind of sorcery. Yeah, absolutely. He's eating. I try to make my next point, and I just thought about Tom Brady eating babies. (laughs) 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 I can see Tom Brady eating a baby. Yeah, yeah, he's doing it. Oh, without thinking twice. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, if you have have Brady, and even if you out-duel Brady, you usually have a coaching disparity to deal with. Because even if your quarterback happens to be better than Tom Brady that day, nine times out of ten, your coach ain't as good as Bill Bell. So it's just like you just got so much. In, and that's what so many guys are finding out. It's like Jordan, where you have so many great players that never won because Jordan was there. And with the NFL, it's like Andy Reid, man, what a coach. Patrick totally. Mahomes, young phenom, Andrew Luck, Steelers, Ravens. You name all these teams and the Patriots every year. There's a new hot thing. Yeah. And the Patriots are done. And again, the new hot thing ain't so hot, and the Patriots are standing up there with the Lombardi. It is yeah. amazing. I thought after we beat them in the Super Bowl, I remember standing up in my living room. I said, the Patriots are dead. I said, we just killed them. Yes. I'm headed to the parade. <laughs> and all we did at the parade was say, fuck Tom Brady, big dick Nick, we killed the Patriots. We said that for eight hours straight in the cold. We come back this year, Patriots in the Super Bowl again, we're at home. Right, yeah. Which brings up another question because we did talk, spend a lot of time on the Steelers. Uh, what do you think about them? Uh, Nick is they didn't they're not keeping him right. He's not a free agent. Oh yeah, Nick. The, it all, Nick by all reports suggest that he's going to Jacksonville. Really? Ooh, that's good for Jacksonville. That is good for Jacksonville. They need they need a quarterback. <laughs> they need competent. I think I think they had a punter in there throwing most of the. <laughs> it's, listen, if you can get somebody to come in there and not be awful. Uh, but good. but the weird thing with them is their defense took a step back last yeah, year. That was weird. So mm-hmm. they got to fix that. But Nick Foles, I think, is going to help them. I, I He's a starter, man. That yeah. guy's a starter, I think. They need a little more talented receiver, though. 
I don't know. One of their I, best I, I guys, their, their best guys were like uh, D.D. Westbrook, uh, a couple of the well-known like D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> D.D. Westbrook. And that fast guy that came from the Colts, uh, that receiver. I'm not gonna know. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I'm so still they upset with things. them. I don't pay attention to them. But yeah. So anyway. now the Steelers move on. Yeah. Okay. Cleveland's better. Baltimore's Lamar Jackson's. Cleveland's a, thing. a lot better. Uh, yeah. Baltimore. Uh, hey. Cincinnati is a absolute dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. Continues to be. So you have really two threats next year, I think. Yeah. And the Patriots. Well, I'm not even. Well, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not really talking <laughs> about that. I have to say that I, <laughs> I am excited about this about the the season next year just because and this and this is going to piss everybody off. The Steelers are so good so often, yeah. That when there's a little bit of a mix up, it's like, all right, who who are we going to be? Who are they going to come out of this looking like? Tomlin's got to clean up his act, I think. Yeah, you know, is Ben going to stick around much longer? Is this going to affect his sort of tenure there? Is, are they going to, you know, usher him out the door? Or are they, you know? Juju is going to step up and be what we think he might be. He is good. He's real good. We got a couple good young guys in there. Who knows? And that kid, uh, who's the, the other receiver? Yeah, Mike Williams? Mike Washington. Yeah, Washington. James Washington. James, yeah, you're right. That James Washington. And I'm, I'm going to forget the other guys. There's a couple of other guys who are really good. Yeah, you got you got some players now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens next year. But, um, Brian, the Detroit Lions. You know what's great, though? <laughs> Is that? Oh my God! I'll be trying not to bring it up. I've been sitting here for the last like twenty five minutes listening to you guys talking. I'm like, you know what's great is that <laughs> I never have to think about the Lions in the off season because <laughs> they never do anything, oh. <laughs> and I know going in every season they're going to be nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine. So like, there's just, there's something to be there's something to be said for that consistency. I don't, right? I'm not sure there's another <laughs> fan I feel as bad for. <laughs> As you, because Brian knows his stuff. He's a former player. Yeah, he played college football. Brian knows his stuff. He's a great fan, uh, and he deserves better <laughs> than the Lions. All right. Okay. Well, and it's just because of where he I doesn't was deserve better. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just because of where I was born. Detroit, That's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm from Detroit. I grew up a Lions fan. I was Lions fan. Lions fan as a kid. It's the only team I I, I have any sort of emotional investment in. I've tried. I tried to be a Cardinals fan when we lived in Tucson. Oh my gosh! Oof, I like wow. the Panthers, but I don't when they lose. There's, I don't a, there's feel a Panthers it. nation is really disappointed you moved here, <laughs> actually. But I don't. I don't when they lose. I don't feel it. You know, I like the Panthers. It's more fun to live here when the Panthers wow, you, are good. You were talking like a Browns fan. But this right. is depressing. But are they the new Browns? Oh, oh man. Well, wait, the you Lions. got Matt though, right? Is it Matt Patricia your coach now? <laughs> Yeah, my feel. Chef Boyard Dumb. <laughs> oh, I love Matt Patricia. He yeah. is what just another one of these no talent having Belichick assistants that everybody thinks because he worked for them. He knows that guy's a fucking moron. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm a guard with it. Holy okay? shit. I'm, I'm saying it. Matt Patricia doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Isn't he like a scientist on the side? Doesn't he have like a degree from you ain't said football MIT yet. or anything? You ain't he said football yet. Well, he's not a dumb dumb. I, I'm, I, I didn't say he couldn't build a rocket. This is I said <laughs> he can't build a defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated. Well, you know what? Gruden's a football coach, and he didn't do shit this year either. So he was worse. <laughs> he, he was worse. I don't. And I don't have a. I don't have a. And he know, gave away Khalil Mack. 
Yo, uh, you weren't here. They yeah. said they should give John. <laughs> they said they should give John Gruden executive of the year for making the Chicago Bears and the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys <laughs> playoff contenders. <laughs> Holy shit. He was executive of the year. Oh <laughs> my God. He's the first candidate to make two teams <laughs> playoff contenders. That's <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting year, man. Uh yeah. Green Bay has a new coach. Yep. I mean it's a lot of interesting and we're talking about all this like football's not even around. Not even close. Yeah, yeah the combine just ended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot to talk about the biggest <laughs> thing that happened in the sports world. What did I say? Bryce Harper signed for 13 years, $330 million. Philadelphia is the new title town. I don't know if you see it yet. I don't. The, the Sixers are the processes in full effect. We're a top three team in the East. We may go to the NBA Finals. The Philadelphia Eagles have, when healthy, an MVP caliber quarterback in Carson Wentz and a team that is two years removed from beating the aforementioned Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Okay? So the Eagles are looking great. Flyers, hey, man, they're still living in the 70s. <laughs> they're still trying to build teams like you did in the 70s, so I'm not, I'm not talking about the Flyers. Mm-hmm. But the Phillies then turn around and say, not to be outdone. <laughs> they remake the lineup. They got Segura. They got McCutcheon, your boy McCutcheon yeah, from I love Pittsburgh. Kutch. I love Kutch. We got Kutch. McCutcheon. We got some white dude reliever from the Yankees. Oh, I don't that was know a little him. racist. I'm not going to lie. David that was Robertson. A little racist. I'm okay. sorry, you're right. David Robertson we got. <laughs> David Robertson and Bryce Harper comes aboard. And here's what I mm. love. Here's what I love. Okay, he's a Mormon. Okay? That's just a fact. That's not what I love. <laughs> what I love is, what I love about Bryce Harper is he he said, hey, in two years, you think I'm not calling Mike Trout? Mike Trout's from the Philadelphia area. Right. If you watch an Eagles game, you'll see Mike Trout on the broadcast. If you watch a Sixers game, you'll see Mike Trout. He's a Philadelphia guy. He's yeah. always back there. And Bryce Harper's like, look, in two years, <laughs> your deal's up. I took $25 million annually to make room for you. So you come. Wow. We be the new what? New Bash Brothers without the steroids. <laughs> is this happening in all uh, and on all leagues now? Where it's like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do some Super wheeling teams. and dealing on the side. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. get you and I'm gonna get Tamper. you guys come here. Baseball yeah, clearly doesn't Jeez. give a shit. LeBron's not even. LeBron's not even to say hello to Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. But with the uh, but Bryce Harper can be like, look, I'm I talk to him every day. I'm trying to get him to come to us. <laughs> He said it in the press conference. Yeah, right. I'm like, there's no fine for that shit. Uh, but at three thirty million, I don't know that he cares. Yeah, <laughs> and he probably how, does not. How care. old is Bryce Harper? Twenty six. So, so by the end of this deal. contract, he will be thirty nine. I will be forty three. Fifty three. There you go. I'll be fifty three. You didn't have to do your face. <laughs> I could be thirty. <laughs> I could be thirty, dude. <laughs> what, you just turned forty this year. All right, but you had to look at your face. Like, this old motherfucker talking about. <laughs> I didn't like the look you gave me when I said I might be 30. <laughs> I'll be, too. Tony, I don't even want to talk about what I'm you, doing. Well, you'll be what? You'll be in a life alert commercial. <laughs> 66. I fell. No you got one of those phones up. with the big numbers by then. <laughs> the shutter flies. What are they called? The, there's the old people phone. Yeah, where, I forget what it's called now. The cr- uh, you know, Brian. What is it? What are y'all phones? You have pull it out. Let's see. It's <laughs> probably written on the phone. <laughs> but no, 13 years is a long time, and in baseball, yeah. it's guaranteed. Yeah. So if, if if my son plays a sport, it's baseball. 
I do not want my son playing football. No, I mean, would you let your kids play football? At this point, no, I don't think I would. I think I, I would really struggle with and that. You decision. played. I did. I played, but wow. I moved over to this. I, at at tenth grade, I, I, you know, I stopped growing. Everybody else got bigger, so I was like, ah, "Soccer's a really great sport. I'm not gonna <laughs> do that." So I, I went and played the soccer. Chess team is nice, but I did. I played soccer since I was like six years old. So to me, that's a that's an amazing thing. If you're just talking about, so you think you were tall enough to play football? No, I could have played football. I did play football. I just got to tenth grade, and I was like, you know, I'm, the risk is higher. And I was like, I'll just. I was good at soccer, so I, I moved over. We ended up going to states in that uh, senior year, so we were good. It's a good decision. You could have probably played for the Browns. I maybe, maybe you could have. I don't know that giving up <laughs> on your dream was the thing to do. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm I'm five feet tall, and I was a linebacker on my team. Shit, I played outside. I was. Dude, like, your leverage was. Cr- you crazy. were flipping dudes. I was. In there. They were just like, go get the quarterback every play. No one saw me. No one saw me. Well, I was thinking that uh, like I would not have wanted to block you because no. I would have had to get so low. No, in order yep. to do it. And if you were a time. running back, I mean, you could just. Yeah. You're just hiding behind the lineman, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what like Sproles. That's what I mean. That's what guys yeah. do. I don't. I didn't have the wheels for that. Yeah, my forty. I ran. I ran like a thirty. <laughs> oh, you, ran, <laughs> you ran a Rich Eisen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was just not thirty a, second forty. Yeah. Right there. Well, I was quicker than that, but I, I I wasn't. I didn't have that kind of speed. Yeah. Well, uh, we got a show about to start up outside yeah, these doors, uh, so we need to go. <laughs> you, you really do, actually. Don't yeah, you? Really you do. I have I I have to be on stage in twenty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get off of here. But this was fun. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks again to Debbie Millwater. Uh, Jason King is here. Yeah, thank, thank you, buddy. You, thanking thanking him for playing along, and Brian, you too. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. 